You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, goat flippers? Thanks for checking out this episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast, the number one hardcore and metal podcast on all of the internet. This week on the podcast, I am joined by Roger and Rob of the band Love is Red. And if you're a longtime Lamb Goat reader, you may remember this band from the early 2000s. They were a melodic hardcore band signed to Jamie Josta's record label at the time. They did extensive touring until about 2005 when they disbanded. However, in 2021, the band got back together, released an EP, Darkness is waiting and they've also reconvened to play a few shows including furnace fest 2021 we get into all that and more on this episode of the podcast but first whether you're a returning listener or this is your first time checking out the podcast if you dig what we do here on the van flip and you enjoy the content please go ahead and follow us or subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on if you have the ability to leave a rating or review we would greatly appreciate it if you took the three seconds out of your life to do so remember to visit the all-new mobile-friendly lambgoat.com for everything hardcore and metal related you can follow lamb goat on social media give us a like on facebook and you can find us on twitter and instagram at lamb goat visit lamb goat's youtube page and you can find all of these podcasts in video format plus other lamb goat content on there make sure you smash that subscribe and alert bell so you're always notified when new episodes or content is uploaded if you want to follow me lurk the host of the show you can find me on twitter and instagram at lurk city that's l-u-r-k-c-i-t-y and if you're too lazy to go look that stuff up, we have all of the links, including our guests' links, in the description show notes of this episode. So check it out. And with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and throw it to the episode featuring Roger and Rob of Love Is Red. Oh, yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh, yeah, this is stuff. Oh no. Oh, no, 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 no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up, Van Flippers, Goat Flippers, Lamb Goat users? We have someone from way back in the past today on the podcast, but some of you may even know them as a quote unquote new band since they just released their first material in 17 years. We have on the band today, or not on the band, we have on the show oh. today, Roger and Rob from Love is Red. How are you guys doing today, man? Yo, I'm good. But first off, first off, it is called Van Flip. And back in the day, Lamb Goat, you just read the comments under most band section, didn't matter how cool they were. Fuck these bands, you know. Van Flip, uh, <laughs> shit band, no care ever. Uh, so I need you to give us your biggest fuck you to love is red because I think that would be awesome. So hit us with it. Hit us with the hardest, hardest you can get. You guys <laughs> sucked at Hellfest when I was there. <laughs> he wasn't even there, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. He, just, he didn't give a shit. Let's get off my ass. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you guys, you guys weren't, you guys weren't horrible when I saw you guys. Which, which Hellfest? The last one, the one at the oh, the Park. Jersey one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's where uh, Fate Thirteen or whatever like smashed light bulbs over people's heads and shit. Yeah, the the little riot, right? The riot. They had a little. Bad they, did they set like mice loose or something <laughs> on the stage? I don't know. That whole thing was wild. I I actually went back and watched it not that long ago, recently, uh, within the last <laughs> year or so. I watched that set, and uh, yeah. it just took it brought me back. You know, brought me back a couple couple years. You know, I know Hate Five Six has a couple of because he has the videos from. 
yeah. from, from when they recorded at Holy, High Roller or Holy Roller Studios or something like that. They, yeah. uh, they never, you know, the DVD never came out. So he has all the footage and I know he's periodically like piecing some of it together and he's released a couple sets, but uh, they're always from like the two main stages for the most part. And yeah. uh, that bad luck one was from like the gym or the basketball area. <laughs> and so it just, it, it brought back so many memories of like how wild that venue was because there was like a paintball, a BMX place, like a full yeah, like a uh, lacrosse rink or something like that. There was like, there was the main stages were like hockey and soccer fields or something like that. Yeah, they had yeah. like fake soccer fields and, and hockey. Yeah. So God, that was a wild ass time. And, and like many, many, many years ago, you know, you, as long ago as you so, were in a band. So side story, uh, we were, we had our merch set up next to like Barrier Dead at the time. And I was like, you know, being Mr. Like Gossipy, I was like, oh, I heard they're going to do some crazy stuff, you know? And I was like all stoked on hearing what they were going to do, but I didn't actually want to get involved in it. So I was just to say the, and I remember the Barrier Dead, I think it was the bassist maybe. Um, he was just like, ah, it's all show, it's all bullshit. He's like, whatever, but it's fun to watch. And so he went in there as people are running out yeah. from their set, um, he comes out with blood on the side of his head and he's going, fuck. And I was like, oh, that wasn't going to be bad. <laughs> he had gotten smashed with something or I don't know, but he was not happy. Yeah, I wonder, I should have asked Josh. Uh, we had Josh from Trustkill. I mean, he didn't really have, I mean, he was a part of Hellfest, but he didn't really, you know, have a big, big say in it. But I wonder yeah. if uh, that whole riot played into the cancellation of the next one, you know, but. I'm imagining so, yeah, but yeah. who knows? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Roger, Rob, yep. why don't we go ahead and tell the boys what you guys do in the band and or not in the band anymore? <laughs> um, so I play guitar or played guitar um, and was we were both original members um, and – I am the one that basically got really bored during the pandemic and wrote the new EP because I honestly, if there was no pandemic, we would have just come back, played the songs from the albums and that would have been it. Mm. Uh, this EP is literally a product of, of COVID-19. So <laughs> that's why we're, we're back with new music. Yeah. Um, I was on the, I did vocals on the first record and then <clears throat> during the pandemic, I was actually, living in California for a little bit. And he called me about, he told me that he was doing writing for the new EP. And then there was uh, talk about releasing the hardest fight on vinyl. And then we started talking about like, shit, you should put the new EP on vinyl. And then Roger said, you should do vocals on a song. So I did vocals on a song. And then we got uh, Kinsman, who was the original bassist from Love is Red on the first uh, couple releases he played bass on the, on the new one as well. And um, yeah, so it was kind of a, kind of a collection of, of old members and current, or I don't know if current members from the last record. Current, it was just a, yeah. a mishmash of different members on this new EP. Interesting. And so like, yeah, let's, let's get into like the early days. Cause like, again, a lot of bands may not know that you guys took a 17 year long break <laughs> in between <laughs> records. Like you're some kind of tool band or whatnot, but um Tool the band, not like tool. You are a tool. Harry Bean, take note of what he just said when you listen to this. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, 
So yeah, you guys aren't rest, really a new band. You guys have been around since you know the early two thousands, and you guys you know you said hate breed earlier when, off off um, off before we were recording, and you know you guys got linked up with Jamie Justin. You were released on Stillborn, uh, his his record label earlier in your career, and so yeah, you guys were correct me if I'm wrong. You guys were from the Alabama Nashville area, right? And now you guys live on the West Coast, so. Like how did that, oh. how does that work out? Yeah, so we started in Florence, Alabama, tiny ass town, which actually does have a music history, but mm-hmm. I mean not in our style of, of music, but it's surprisingly has music history there. And uh, out of boredom, kind of like this pandemic, out of boredom, we were like, let's start a band, you know, and and that's how it basically got rolling. He and I have been in bands together for over twenty over twenty years. I don't know how. I think, I think when we first started our first band, we were ninety like ninety seven. Yeah, when we first started our first like we, punk rock band. Yeah, didn't know how to do hardcore at all, and I still don't. But uh, but <laughs> but yeah, we started some early hardcore bands. Love is Red for whatever reason caught on better than the other ones. But uh, so we started in Florence. When he decided to leave the band, I moved to Nashville, and that's where a lot of the other members lived mm-hmm. and so then when we became a national band um you know toured a lot when we broke up like every band eventually does um i ended up moving to seattle in 2005 you were what year 2007 yeah so not too far after after me and then we just started bands again <laughs> i was in some other hardcore bands post that that i was traveling with like wait in vain was like an off spin of trial Sinking ships, stuff like that, and then he and I started doom metal band just because we we're like, let's do something completely different from what we're. And then, like, I think Jeff moved to Richmond. Jeff moved to Richmond originally, Chicago, then to Richmond. Hunter moved to Michigan, Ann Arbor. Um, Adam, our other guitarist, moved to California, then moved back to Nashville. Drummer moved to Florida to play drums in Evergreen Terrace. Moved back to Nashville. Our original <laughs> drummer. Dane, he moved to Florida. Moved to Florida. Yeah, so yeah. None of, We're like, I don't think anybody lives in Alabama. Well, Kinsman still lives in Alabama. Kinsman still lives so in Alabama. one person out of out of everybody still lives in Alabama. Yeah. Was Brad your old drummer? No, uh, Kyle Mims. Okay, so okay, what okay, happened okay, was okay. was Brad the original drummer at Evergreen Terrace? No, 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 no. Chris, Chris. I mean, because Evergreen Terrace is from where I am from, so they're a local band to me. That's why when you say that. So when Chris left, yeah, the band, um, Kyle. <laughs> so I'll give a quick little history here. Love is Red was like, we had this full steam thing going. We're on Stillborn. They made a music video for us. The music video is fucking terrible. Don't ever watch it. Um, so <laughs> Links like, in the description below. Um, yeah, <laughs> in the description below, watch it and make fun of us even more. Um, God awful. Um, uh, that's another story for another day. Um, but anyway, uh, had all this momentum behind us. And then um, Adam basically was asked to leave the band for various reasons, but uh, he, he won't be butthurt about it. But uh, then when that happened, we didn't really have a full-time second guitarist. And then Hunter, after doing like, I think two months in a row of touring, was just like, he lived in Atlanta and he loved his buddies and wanted to basically party with his friends and not tour anymore. So he kind of bailed on that. And then Jeff, at the time, fell in love, was like moving to Chicago. And we're like, it was just me and Kyle. So we're like, well, we doing i was like i guess we could form people around us but it feels kind of weird and then literally as we were thinking about that and recording a new album or going to record a new album every tear sets up kyle and is like hey we need a drummer because dude's gone from our band and so he was just like 
see it. So like, I was just like, all right, band's done. Like, it's just me. And I didn't feel like getting everybody formed around it again. Yeah. But almost within less than six months is when like Tim from trial, like hit me up. It's like, Hey, you want to go on tour with my band, wait in vain and just move to Seattle. And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing really on, going on. Uh, Wolf Biker. Yeah, Kyle played on Wolf Biker, man. There's that fucking song rules. I love that song. Yeah, just um my buddy who I also that he helps with the podcast every now and then when we do the in person ones, JP, he actually ordered uh we both collect CDs and he ordered me Wolf Biker and Almost Home this week. So he dropped them off this week. Yeah, I think he did that one too, actually. Yeah, I think Kyle's on those two records. He he Kyle owns Two gyms? One gym? One gym. Yeah, yeah. Kyle owns a gym in, in Nashville now. Let this be on the record. I'm going to beat Kyle up when I get back to Nashville. He thinks he owns a gym and he's a badass. I'm, I'll, I'll kill him. Nice. Kill him. We'll film it. Put it on the we'll put it on the YouTube <laughs> or something like that. Three beeps. So that was kind of what my one of my questions was, was like what led to the, you know, the um, the breakup? Because you guys, were, you know, like you just said, you, you started out. Played a couple of years, got Jamie Joss's attention, which will you know I kind of want to get into about that. And then you you know you seem you you seem to have like tours all the time, decent ones, playing like obviously like festivals like Hellfest and such like that. And then yeah, you just kind of dropped off. So that kind of makes it a uh, you know elaborates a little bit that everyone just probably was I'm assuming like early twenties, and then just kind of had like life happened, and some of them probably weren't really made for the road, you know. It's strange. It was real strange because we had this momentum and then within probably two months, it just all crashed down. But yeah, like you said, being in your early twenties, you have all like this ambitious ideas of what things are supposed to be like. And then reality just hits you in the face. It's like, nah. Cause you remember, you remember like back in, I guess I want to say maybe 2002 or when, when I quit the band, I actually started just doing crew for them, uh, like going out, like doing merch and stuff like that too. And that's when they started doing some bigger shows. And back then, I don't know if you remember, but some of the bands were actually starting to make a little bit of money. Um, and so it kind of became, I think people were starting to think this might be a viable job to have. We played with, uh, Poison the Well, and they showed up in that brand new ass van. I remember I was <laughs> talking to their drummer, and was like, "Yeah, man, this shit's paid for." Or something. I was like, "Whoa!" Like it was, you know, they had some, they had a little bit of money. Um, I think it was Poison. It might have been Eighteen Visions. Anyway, some of those bands were making some actual cash, and I think everybody started thinking, like, uh, "You know what? Maybe I, I just go on the road for nine months a year." And then you realize that don't fucking make any money and there's no money in hardcore <laughs> I, at all. I have a story about that too that was very funny is right when we got signed to Stillborn Rob might have heard this story but um, oh god we were playing in the northeast but I don't remember where but it was with Hatebreed and Glassjaw oh. and it was basically when Hatebreed or Jamie like he'd already heard us and was like thinking about it but us playing the show with them was kind of like the Ice on the cake, like he, yeah. yeah, he wanted to see how we did live, and we were playing with them, opening for those two bands, and we're in the back, and we all like both of those bands, and and Glassjaw especially had just kind of cut through um, to an even more mainstream crowd, and I was like, I think I was in the back with just a couple of dudes, and we were just like, oh man, this is kind of rad, like Jamie's into it. I was like, playing with these bands is great, like, and we were just doughy eyed, you know, young kids. 
And the glass shot dude was warming up a guitar and he looked up at us and he goes, yeah, it's real glamorous, huh? He goes, look at this room we're sitting in. He's like, do you know what kind of fucking car I drive when I go back home? And I'm making this part up. And he's like, a Dodge Stratus, you know? And he's just like, I fucking sometimes deliver pizzas just to make money when I'm home. And we're like, oh. Like, he was just like, he was basically dashing our dreams. Because at that time, you know, we were probably like 22, 3, whatever it was. And we we're like, yeah, this might be like this might be the breaking point for us. And then he was just like, no, he broke us. He basically was just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Shit all over everything. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, he definitely he definitely has an opinion on the entire music industry. Um, yeah, that's he, he's very opinion. He hates the record label industry and all sorts of shit. Yeah. Also, it was, it was hilarious and humbling all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it must have been because what year is this? Probably 2002 or three. Probably three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is after the whole fucking Warner Brothers and Roadrunner kerfuffle. So they, they definitely had bad yeah. taste in their mouths. I have to admit, Glassjaw is one of my all time favorite bands. So I Dude, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think he's the guy that was from Sons of Abraham, the guitarist. Oh, really? I, think I don't so. know. I don't know. I don't think so. No, there's there's two guys that, or there's one guy from Sons though, right? Yes, you're you're correct. He was a like a member within the time, but uh, for oh, but not in that period. Okay. No, no, yeah, he might have been in that period, uh, but he wasn't one. He's not one of like it's Daryl and I want to say is it Justin? Beck? Pretty sure the dude that had the triple X's on his cabinet. Yeah, Sons of Abraham was sick. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, Sons. Of, I think he, he may, and you may be right too, but I may be confusing it with the same guy and men, women, and children. Let's have him call in so he can give okay, me another. Yeah, yeah. Letter. I'll get a, let me let me get them called up on my phone. Get your Rolodex. Yeah. No, I wish I would have. I would easily have one of those guys on the podcast um, yeah. for them being my favorite band. But I'll wait for an in person time because this these pandemic ones are. You know, they're good, but I'd rather be sitting with you guys on my couch like the other ones. So, oh, yeah. But, um, so let's get into the Jamie Jow stuff, uh, stillborn thing. Like, so how did you gotta get on his radar? Oh, how did that happen? I think honestly, we, so he and I started, you know, Love is Red. We had a demo ourselves. We got picked up by a smaller label out of Kansas City, put out that full length. And then when we decided to do um, an EP split, that's when Hunter, the other vocalist, joined the band. And it was carryover music from the older style. And we kind of had, were slightly changing and getting a little heavier. Because in the early 2000s, it was very, like, Hope's Fall and, like, the emo-ish, hardcore kind of stuff. And we were venturing a little bit away from that. And somebody actually asked me yesterday or today, they're like you know, like the name doesn't really match with like the sound <laughs> that you guys are doing. So they're like, what happened there? And we're like, honestly, we just had enough following from how our Love's Red sound was prior. And then, cause we, we talked about, it. we're like, should we just change our name? Like we're, you know, we didn't need to have a tough guy name or anything, but like we've definitely gotten a little heavier and um, we just decide not to because people knew the name and and it was funny because we toured with like donnie brooke one time and they're like oh dude we thought we were playing with an emo band like when they <laughs> met us for the first time yeah and uh we're like yeah gotcha but um but yeah the uh after that split when hunter first joined the band we said let's do a brand new demo and let's just shop it to motherfuckers everywhere you know and so we did 
there was somebody, I, I'm going to forget which label. There was one other label that was showing interest. I think it was like Eulogy or something like that, actually, speaking of Florida. Wait, is Eulogy even around anymore? Uh, yes, actually. I learned that Franz from Attila on our first podcast purchased the rights to, or he may own uh, the record, uh, the, co- the collection or something like that. But yeah, he yeah. is. I don't know if he owns the late, I don't know. He has the. So they were interested, but I don't remember why we, not that we didn't say no, I, I don't remember, but somehow in the thousands of demos we tossed out there, he, Jamie got a hold of it. And I think maybe there was a good word put in because well, I think with honor, with honor, yeah, I was about to say like Jack and them. I thought I think with honor might have gotten into Stillborn right before us, and we had toured with them enough. Um, and their band or some of the guys were in in pieces, or and I, maybe it was just Jack that was in in pieces. Um, and so they knew us, and so they kind of just put in the good words. So I'm almost certain that's how that happened. Jack was in in pieces. And so I didn't know that. Now I might be completely lying, but Jack from With Honor, <laughs> us three, since we live in Seattle, started like a new hardcore band. We'll talk about that later. Um, good call, good call. Exclusive, exclusive yeah. interview with a band you've never heard of. Um, it's a twofer. Yeah, it's Jack, a twofer. Yeah. Jack from With Honor moved to Seattle a couple of years ago. And once again, out of sheer boredom, we kind of started a, a new hardcore band of 40 year old dudes. So, uh, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Did you find when you were like earlier in the days, like you said, the Donnybrook thing, how people thought like with your name being so non like your music, did you find like it was hard to like either get people to come see you earlier or just to get into your music at all? Like if you were opening up earlier on a show or anything? I mean, when we first started with the name, like, no, not at all. I mean, that was, it kind of fit right in the time. Year two thousands when we started and like yeah, hostball, boy sets fire. Yeah, we played with hostball a bunch back then. Um, being from the south as well, mm-hmm. no, it, it worked. It worked out perfectly back then. It was kind of, at least, uh, especially when I quit and and things started morphing a little bit into more straight ahead hardcore. It was perfect fucking timing. Yeah, I think. You know, like what I just said about the Dyingberg thing, it confused people later because when they heard the hardest fight, it was just like, oh, love is red. That's like, you know, it sounded interesting. And there was like weird indie rock bands that like kind of from Nashville that kind of like there's one band called Lovers Red. <laughs> and uh, and so like there's a lot of confusion. There is a freaking no joke, a Christian youth conference that at, at, after 2005, when we broke up, somewhere in the 2006 or 2007 oh, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Googling that, I, I came up. When you Google <laughs> trying to find us, that pops up first, and it's slightly irritating, uh, but... We got to get your SEO back up, you know? But I mean? we'll, we're, we're getting that crowd to come listen to... Actually, when I started the Instagram, these kids would tag Love is Red, and they're like, can't wait for Love is Red. And I'm like, who are these... 14 year old. Hey, don't even, don't even say anything. Just let it roll. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, that, but they, 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 they were like, I was like, oh, I was like, thanks for liking our, what I, I would say something stupid and then they'd be like, untag us. Yeah, real never quick, mind. So. Psst, nerds later. I'm not doing that. Later, nerds. So, how does it come about that you guys get invited to Furnace Fest? And it is, does the new music happen prior or after finding out about I mean, Furnace Fest? So Furnace Fest w- was around for just about 
four four years, I think. Two thousand, two thousand three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was right in the prime of you guys's, um, yeah. your, your tenure yeah. for sure. But like, was that part of the reason why you guys wanted to come back, or is that like a did that push you guys to come back? Because it is in your well, ball, your neighborhood, or your old stuff. Yeah, house. so that was that was part of the thing. Like Hunter, uh, before I mean Hunter being in bands too. Hunter always booked shows in Nashville and Atlanta and stuff, and he ended up. Uh, booking a lot of the last year that they did Furnace Fest. He, he helped book a ton of those bands. So he was really close in with the organizers already. So when the, I'm sure when the idea came back around, he was one of the first people they reached out to maybe just to help, but then they got so many bands to do reunions or like, yeah. you know, just to come back. They probably like, well, why not love is red, right? So and, my, my memory is terrible, but. Did we play one with you? Because Hunter definitely was, I think we played 2003 with Hunter on vocals, but did we play like an early one with you? Yeah, with, with 2002 and then, yeah, yeah. So we did, yeah, Love is Red's been at Furnace Fest and, and you know, uh, it was, that part is easy just being from Alabama at the time. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it was, it was probably really no brainer at that point. And our, like, yeah, this is our earlier, one of our earlier, earlier bands, Chad, that was one of the promoters of Furnace Fest. We were like the first band on his label before he moved over and started working with Solid State. Mm-hmm. So Chad knew us. And uh, back in the olden days, of course, that's why he threw us on Furnace Fest. But um, what he said is correct. Chad hit up Hunter directly. And he knew that Hunter booked a huge part of, because like those guys knew, uh, a lot of the Fest guys knew a lot of the like bands that they were already hyped on, but there were bands that were in the hardcore scene that they just didn't really, that a, a genre of hardcore that they didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And Hunter was fully immersed in that. And just in case anybody doesn't know, Hunter's the other vocals of Love of the Red. But um, Hunter, uh, like this time, actually threw in more bands that these guys didn't know about, like, I don't think that there was ever a, an idea of asking like turnstile or in like some bands like that. Right. And Hunter really like, here's how you contact these guys, you know, and like that kind of stuff. And so he put bugs in the ears a lot. And so naturally they just came back to us, which to be honest, I'm surprised, but, like, but the, the EP came after that because we were told late 2019, but not to announce it until right. February of right. 2020 that we were going to be playing. So we knew. And then murmurings of the pandemic started happening at the end of February. And we're like, Oh shit, I don't know if this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But even though we, cause I, basically like me being a nerd, I studied like the 1918 pandemic. Once I started hearing about this one and I was like, Oh dude, I think we're out of it for a year. But even knowing that my brain's like, it can't last longer than a few months. Like I still was like in denial and then, you know, shit rolls around and I, um, I got furloughed for a full month in April mm. and part of me was like, oh, this is great. I got plenty of free time on my hands. I hate work. And, um, and then immediately I got bored, like within a week and you couldn't go to national parks cause they closed them down. Cause that's what everybody thought about doing at first. And so two thoughts enter my head, start a new band. Oh wait, Love is Red is supposed to play Furnace Fest. It's eventually going to happen. And instead of trudging out that old music that's just, you know, people have heard a million times and not really have anything new to bring to the table, I've got a whole month on my hands to do absolutely nothing. Why not try to write a new EP? 
Right. And it's weird you bring up the Doom inspired music because out of the two records that you guys have available for streaming or, or you know for listening on Spotify, yeah, um, yeah, they are vastly not vastly different, but there was definitely like a little bit of a Doom vibe uh, on the new one, "The Darkness uh, Is Waiting" or whatnot. And uh, everybody's just bummed, man. <laughs> are they really? Yeah. Are they really? Hunters. Hunter's not here to represent this part of it, but he wrote a lot of his lyrics. The hardest fight was about, hey, we're young. We're trying to figure out life. There's a lot of shit getting thrown at us. So the hardest fight is like, you got to keep. And then Darkness is waiting. He basically told us privately. He was just like, dude, I have so many friends that have either OD'd, uh, killed themselves, or just the pandemic itself killing people. He's like, everything is fucked. And he's like, the whole album is based on the depression of that happening. And then Rob contributed his own set of lyrics to kind of go along with that. And that's basically why it's called darkness is waiting. It's just, so the hardest fight was like, life's hard. Keep fighting. Darkness is waiting. It's like, yeah, it's still fucked up. (laughs) 17 (laughs) years later. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. It's all the same. No, but I I mean, I wasn't saying that to kind of get a dig on the album, but I was just saying that it is, it is a different kind of approach to like traditional hardcore because it does have that kind of like doom vibe to it. And it was just funny that you said that you had kind of like moonlighted in that sound with a couple other projects. So um, it's, you know, it, it carried over, you know what I mean? It's, this guy writes, he writes the way he writes a lot of riffs, no matter what style of music that he's doing, he makes it so fucking hard on himself. He writes the most complicated shit and, he needs a, he needs a good set of people around him to kind of pare him down a little bit. Um, he makes it makes it really hard on himself. So you should have heard some of the the stuff before, but it was. I mean, when we when we moved out here, uh, speaking of the, the other band we were in, I mean, we did we did uh, Brave Nafa for eight years, ten ten years. Technically, I mean, you could subtract two years of just not doing much, maybe eight years. But we started in twenty ten. Yeah, and basically fizzled out right around the pandemic time because. So you got that you you have that doing one sound in one band for for almost ten years, you know yeah probably a little of that permeated into the to what he wrote for the new Love Is Red shit. So yeah, I mean like the first opening track is definitely because um, I was I was writing post metal and doom metal with Bray Nefa, a name that you can say but if you try to spell it you're gonna it's gonna fuck it. it's like Irish Gaelic so. <laughs> So we did that for a while because we were just like, let's do something different than hardcore. And funny enough, when we first started playing shows, there was a we actually played with a few hardcore bands in Seattle and had friends in the hardcore scene. And then all of our friends were kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like they were just like, what is this kind of shit? And so they slowly disappeared and you start seeing more of the the patched up black denim dread head dudes coming out to our shows and a completely different vibe, which is fine. That's what we're like, you know, that's what the style of music that we're playing. Um, but you know, people are always surprised when I write like this slow doomy stuff and they're like, and you're straight edge. Like how do you write this shit? Like I, we do have one song that's 15 minutes long. Mm. Like, yeah, but the darkness is waiting. The first opening track, it's definitely got that like vibe to it. But I also was channeling a little bit of Modern Life is War on that song, I think. But this new band that he and I started is more like more hardcore stuff. And I think that it goes a certain direction where I'm like, oh, this sounds like Hope Con or whatever it may be. And then Rob and, and Jack will be like, 
I can actually hear some tragedy in that. I was like, fuck. I was like, I wasn't going for that, but I like tragedy. So yeah, that's a lot of the, a lot of the, the new love is red stuff goes into like a little bit different directions that, that he started writing. But I think at the, at the core of it, if you, if you listen to the hardest fight, you'll definitely on every single song still hear that, that same love is red sound uh, that won't, is, is we always were super into shit like uh, Shai Halud, um, you know, sky came falling, poison the well, that really melodic type of stuff that was really, you know, hyped up at the end of the nineties. And I think that's in that, in the new love is ready, but you still hear elements of that for sure. One, one thing for me too, that's very strange because uh, playing in a band with Tim, from trial, like he, he and I had a band called Wait in Vain, and people kept saying, why did you do Wait in Vain? You should have just done another trial record. And Tim's like, yeah, he's like, if we do, like, tour and stuff like that, he's like, it can't be a shit EP. Like, he's like, if we write something new, because some bands disappear for a while, they come out with something, and you're like, why did they even do, you know, this album was the pinnacle. Like, and so for fans that might like Love is Red, you know, the 10 of them out there, um, <laughs> the pinnacle might've been the hardest fight. So why fuck that up with a new EP that's gone awful? And I, in the same way, I was like, bands have done that. I'm like, fuck, why did they do that? And so I remember sitting there thinking, if any of these riffs, if any of the guys in the bands are like, this is God awful, we're just trashing it. It's not, not gonna, never gonna see the light of day. And so like, I hadn't written like straight up hardcore in a while and probably like 10 years. And when I started cranking these songs, I was like, well, shit, these actually sound like they could have been written the year after The Hardest Fight. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of dates me and also works out well because some of these bands have started kind of doing that sound again. Mm -hmm. So it just, it happened to just be the right time because it could have it turned out way worse. <laughs> so were you listening to hardcore in that time frame in the last 17 years? Or like once you kind of left that realm, you kind of, you know, left that behind as well or God. Um, sadly, I'm one of those old assholes that I barely know any new, new bands and I probably should not be that way, but there's definitely a cutoff probably like 10 years ago of what I keep up with. Rob, is wait, wait, more... what about counterparts though? I like counterparts. Yeah, a lot, counterparts yeah. fucking rules. Man. I love um, that band. But I mean, they started a long time ago. <laughs> they're they're yeah, not they're, a brand they new were, band. They, they may have been around before 2000, eight or something yeah, like I was that. Say I before 2010. Um, I actually talked to the singer like during the pandemic, and I, I like because when we we're playing the same day on Furnace Fest, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he actually sent a private message to the Love Is Red Instagram. It's like, dude, if we're not playing the same day, I'm gonna kill myself. And I'm like. <laughs> And I didn't know he liked our band. And I was like, oh, I was like, sweet. I was like, funny you say that. Would you want to sing like on the EP? And he was just like, oh, cool. And then... I have nothing going on. <laughs> rolling down to that, what happened was he's in Canada. And they their resurgence that they had just recently yeah. was so bad that they locked down like super hardcore. And he's oh, like, yeah. dude, we can't even... Besides getting groceries, he's like, we can't do anything. He's like... I'd love to do it. He's like, but I can't do it until after May. And we were like, we found out with the schedule of getting this vinyl press that everything needed to be done early May so that we could actually have vinyl by September. So I told him, I was like, next time, you know, yeah, now, next 17 years, we'll get you. <laughs> 17 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Now you'll have to, uh, you know, force yourself to write a, 
maybe a full length or another EP after everything is said and done, you can get them on there. <laughs> we'll definitely try, but yes. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough for me to name any newer band, but I think actually Rob is better about keeping up with certain, I still listen to, I still listen to hardcore all the time. I, I, I never got sick of the music. Um, I didn't, I got sick of, I got sick of going to shows and, you know, having to duck, you know, cause, um, you know, I'm 43 years old. I can't, I can't hang with like a bunch of 20 year olds swinging and kicking and shit like that, or, or even be in the front and, and getting my head jumped on. It's yeah. just, yeah, that part's not for me, but I st- I've always liked hardcore. I've always loved the music. So I, yeah, I never stopped listening to it. Interesting. See Roger, you did it wrong. Such an idiot. <laughs> Such an idiot. So you, uh, you're a straight edge kind of guy and you like doom metal. And uh, you you were around from the early 2000s. I'm sure you're kind of, I mean, I don't know if you are tight or if you even know each other, but Mean Pete from Remembering Never slash oh, yeah. Ether Coven, yeah. I just said something smart-ass on one of his Facebook posts just yesterday, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, I love Mean Pete. That's cool. Um, did you guys ever get to play together in your other, uh, your Doom Metal project when they were, you know, doing their thing? No, but we, we played play, with, play with Remembering Never. Remember Never and I think... Until the end. Uh, oh, no, I'm saying, uh, you're right, your Doom project played with Remembering Never? No, 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 no. Love is Red, sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah. We, when we were, when our Doom project, we didn't get out, we didn't get out of the... Um, West Coast, basically. Yeah, we played, we did a couple, like, small tours, but we never, yeah, it's it was all kind of, we did, like, Utah, Nevada, California, like, Pacific Northwest, so, uh, we, yeah, we never, we never played. I didn't even know he had a Doom band, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, they, what? Pete's band is, what was the name of that band? Ether Coven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, like, did play with them, out, did, I believe. Did play with Remember Never and actually. Um, oh, I know you guys played with like everybody. You guys played <laughs> with like everybody in the golden age of like what I call the scene. Like you know, you're, you earlier you were naming bands like oh yeah, we played with uh, you know Evergreen Terrace was one. You played with Poison yeah. the Well. You played with you know this band, this band, this band, all these and eighteen visions. All these, I'm like. Yeah, dude. I remember seeing flyers, and you guys were always on shows. I mean, you like, <laughs> you guys came through here, obviously, because you were in the southeast. You know, so. what city are you in? I actually didn't know. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was really close to Dane. Oh, yeah. So we played a Jacksonville show. We had a side project of Lozer called X Trader X, and um, we played Jacksonville. Um, some club I do not remember the name of it, but like there were these giant paintings of demon women on the walls. Um. This is probably 2004, five. Mm. Anyway, we played a show there and um, I wish I could remember the band we played with, but our other guitarist, Perry, uh, I don't, surprisingly, I don't think he has this problem anymore, but he had a little bit of, he had a touch of the narcolepsy <laughs> and I had never, never seen him have that. He would like, if you're sitting down watching TV, he'd be out or you know, he'd be like, dude, I'm tired. I sit down. He goes to sleep. We're playing the show in Jacksonville. And, um, oh, I know it was, it was Punishment and Ringworm. We played with Punishment and Ringworm okay. on that show. Okay. And um, so I'm playing and there's kids at the front and Perry's kind of leaning into them. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? And I look over, dude was falling asleep. And like, dangerous. He, he like lands into him. They push him up and then he like snaps out of it and like starts playing again. And uh, it was the weirdest shit I ever seen. But I was hoping you were at that show. You could be like, "Yeah, your weird ass guitarist like fell asleep on on stage." I was not, unfortunately. But you know, that would have been key to to get in, on record or something like that. 
that was at the time before like cell phones and like digital cameras were like so ah, super yeah, present. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's hard to get stuff on record back in the, those times, you know. The uh, the first time that we played, I'll never forget this. The first time that we played with Evergreen Terrace, I was super fucking stoked because I had already they had already put out that that first record of theirs, and uh, I listened to that shit all the time. We played with them in Atlanta. And it was like, it was like at a, a VW hall or something like that. And so when they first start playing, everybody kind of like runs up to the front and I'm standing kind of like on the edge where everybody's, you know, start swinging and kicking. And this fucking kid comes running into the middle of the pit and all he's wearing is a neon green, like thong. Mm. And he runs into the middle of the pit, takes it off and he grabs the end of his dick yanks it out and has lighter fluid on the other hand, sprays his whole crotch with lighter fluid and then produces a lighter from somewhere. Boom. Lights his whole fucking crotch on fire. And then, and then proceeded to freak out that he was on fire. Like, <laughs> like was he with the out, band? Like, ran out the back of the, out of the place. And out. And that was the first time I ever saw it being terrorist. Was he with the band? Do you know if he was with the band? Do you know if he was with the band? Like if he came with the band and he just was like doing wild shit, you know, just because like the dancer for a veil. Well, you know, like uh, because Evergreen would always set their drum set on fire. Like Chris would always put the drum set on fire. So maybe he was kind of like you know doing like you know merch or you know maybe I I have no idea, but I've never seen some shit like that at a hardcore show. (laughs) You've never seen? I've seen a naked man at a hardcore show before. You you see him light light his dick on fire? No, I've never seen that. No, no, no. But I definitely have been at a VFW for sure and seen a naked man. I mean, I light my dick on fire at completely random times, but never shows. And not in public. That not in public, at least. You know what I mean? It's a fun private thing. What are some um, of the what are some of your favorite bands that you toured with from back in that time frame? Because again, like that was such a, I mean, that was like right right before MTV really got their hands on most of the you know music and, and changed kind of the direction of like the scene. But like you guys were playing with some like real classic pillars back then. Honor probably. With honor is definitely a top one because fun guys. The music meshed with ours. Um, so yeah, they were probably one of the top ones that went, and I think we did a couple of different, you know, where it wasn't like a full U.S., but we did like small little East Coast stints with them, um, and then a full U.S. because we did a full U.S. with With Honor and Embrace the Day, and that was a really good tour. Um, they're probably one of my top ones from back in the day. Um, we didn't tour with them, but we played a couple of shows with Stretch Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I remember one in particular in Pittsburgh. You, I think, were oh, the, yeah, yeah. Was he was our chauffeur. He was our driver for that tour. Yeah. And uh, and that was a really fun show playing with Stretch. Um, we played at uh, we played at this place. I don't know if it's still around anymore. I have to ask my buddy Sean, but there's this place in Pittsburgh in downtown called Club Laga. And that's what it was, right? Yeah, it was like fucking four stories up this building and it there was no parking and stretch was right in front of us they're just blocking the street like everybody throwing their equipment on the sidewalk and we rolled it in and we saw that elevator and we were like fuck this and we just carried it up the stairs man <laughs> it was you, you carry like a fucking 
uh, Ampeg eight or uh, eight ten, yeah. like those refrigerator based uh-huh. cabs, five four store. Oh god! Why was the uh, was the the elevator just so sketchy looking? Or you it's just, one of those, like, pull the grate and it was like bouncing when they load equipment in. We're like, this thing's gonna dude. Snap it was and... scary looking. My buddy Sean, <laughs> I have a good buddy Sean that lives in in Pittsburgh. He told me he's like, yeah, it's a good thing you didn't go in that elevator. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because you're again those those cabs and and equipment yeah. in general add a lot of weight that you don't really necessarily think about yeah. with your the own. Dude, yeah, Stretch Armstrong, those guys were uh, those guys were cool. They had a uh, they were kind of older than than all of us, and they had uh, it's kind of nice to pick some of those guys' brains because you know when you're just starting out, you kind of don't know what you're doing. Right. And they had been road dogs for a while, so yeah, Stretch Armstrong, those guys were awesome. So Sidebar, probably the wildest band I've ever toured with, which wasn't with Love is Red. We put, Love is Red played with them, but uh, Sinking Ships toured with Down to Nothing multiple times. He's heard plenty of stories from me. Those dudes are fucking wild, and they know it. I mean, there's nothing, you know, like the, the hotel story is one you love. I don't, I don't, I don't, you, you might want to. <laughs> uh, it's not that bad. Like, so we're in Arizona, I think it was Arizona, like near Flagstaff or something. And they're always doing some shit, putting, you know, shit filled cups in a van so that you find it later, whatever. They're just doing crazy ass shit, throwing fireworks in your face. Cool tour um, pranks, you know? Yeah. Good schoolboy pranks. And so like, we know that they do shit all the time. And so we show up to this hotel that will only take credit cards. And I think at the time, Danny, our singer, was the only one that had a credit card with, that he could basically put the hotel room. And he told the down to nothing dudes, do not do anything. This is all my credit cards. This is like, just for tonight, please. I know you do whatever the fuck you want the rest of this tour. Just please not on my, while my credit card. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 cool, cool. So they get the room key. We're still in the office talking to the dude. Maybe five minutes went by. They had enough time to get in the room. We go over there, and Danny wants to go back just to be like, hey, remember, still <laughs> fuck up the room. We open the door. The beds and everything have already been flipped over. Someone with soap put a pentagram on the mirror, and then uh, the singer has his dick tucked, so you can't see anything. It's just smooth there, holding his hands like that, spitting water. And that's what we walked in on. Nice. Well, hey, you know so, what? They had, they had to eventually clean that up to sleep on all that stuff. So, you know, yeah. joke's on you guys. They probably didn't care. No. But, yeah, like, uh, we, I think Singy Ships did three tours with Down and Nothing and one in Japan. And, God, like, I mean, it was nightmare and a terror to tour with them at the time, but then very funny stories to tell later. Yeah, I mean, you have to always have your head on a swivel, you know what I mean, when you're doing, when you're with a band like that. Um, yeah. So how is it? Were you straight edge back then as well, or or is that something recently? So like, how is it being straight edge with like bands that are wild and crazy that that could also sometimes well, down to nothing was straight edge. That's (laughs) (laughs) I think that was their outlet. Is just, um, but yeah, I've been straight edge. So I'm 42. I think I claimed when I was 17. I'm still straight edge. So uh, I mean, at the point, it's it's just a way of life now. I don't really even. I'm not like you know, X everybody up. Like I'm too fucking old to care, but, um, it's just like a way of life now to me. It's, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of any bands that really pissed me off that were like, you know, smashing beer balls or something like in a hotel room. Like, because I think also back then when we were strange, we were just like, let's go wild. We're, you know, let's have fun on tour and like do whatever. So like that didn't bother me. 
the older I got, I was just like trying to just stay away from stuff and, you know, have a little bit of quiet space. I mean, I'm an idiot, but like, you know, there's, there's now, there's now a limit to it once you pass your forties that I can, can kind of handle. Interesting. But I'm too much for Rob. And, uh, so I probably drive him to drink. <laughs> <laughs> so are you ever drinking next, you know, are you ever drinking on the tour with him and just kind of like bugging him? Well, we, uh, well, it, maybe I mean, I, you know what? Our drummer is trying to beat his ass. <laughs> you also may yeah, not yeah. know. You also may not know shout how. Out, shout out! Shout out to Bobby Hamana, who's in our new hardcore band. He actually helped record the drums for the the Darkness Is Waiting EP. Um, Bobby, we love your dumb ass. Um, yeah. So we didn't when when we did when we started Love Is Red. It was definitely not a straight edge thing because. I think only two of us at the time thought about straight edge, like me and Dane and Kinsman weren't, we weren't ever straight edge. Um, but we didn't, we also didn't go nuts either because we didn't have a whole lot of, we I mean, we'd be like after some shows, if we stayed at someone's house or hotel, yeah, have some beers or, or whatever, that, that'd be about it. And we never, it, we didn't do anything crazy. So it never really fucking mattered. Um, but then when, a lot of us quit or like when the the core members quit love is red and then the newer guys joined in, it became more everybody at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody at the time was straight edge. Yeah. But when I went, I mean, I was, I still smoked cigarettes back then. Even when I toured with you guys, it, I mean, it was never a, a big deal back then. It, everybody was kind of straight edge and didn't really get too hyped up about it until I think right when the hardest fight came out, Hunter, beat your ass. Hunter was Hunter and some of you guys were I mean, didn't you guys even have like straight edge shirts at the time? We had a couple of straight yeah, edge shirts. So I mean we yeah. we took it in that direction just because I think we just wanted a straight edge band, which funny enough, like I said, we started a side project to have a straight edge band too. But uh me and Adam, as he said, were the original members that were straight edge. Then three brand new members came in around the hardest fight area and were already straight edge, so it's just like we're a straight edge band now, but that's how people remember us. So actually like people like kids will talk some shit and not really know that we weren't a straight edge band before. And like, Oh, this guy sold out. And we're like, we weren't a straight edge band before. We just happened to turn into one. Right. It's just like, chill the fuck out. And most of those guys aren't, aren't edge anymore anyways. So. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> no, yeah, it's yeah, pretty rare that someone Jeff are the only straight edge members currently. Yeah. It's, it's rare that someone, um, I used to have a joke in, you know, in my circle that like, you know, People are straight edge till about 21, 22, and then they kind of start falling off slowly after that if you're in the scene because, you know, usually at Unless bars. you're a fucking BFLs. nerd like me who's 42 and – No, I mean it, ha- it does happen by all means. But again, like uh, like for me, I'm coming from the other way. Like I wasn't straight edge at all, and now I'm more into like the, no, thank you. I don't need to drink. Sober anymore. lifestyle. Not technically sober, but yeah, you know, not drinking. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Not drinking. So, um, Rob, why, what was the original reason you decided to like step away from the band? And then it's just weird because like you stepped away, but then you also kind of, you know, been in the background. There was, um, there's a couple of reasons. The main reason was, is that, um, I wanted to actually make some money. That was my thought at the time because the, the, the band actually started gaining some momentum and it was like, instead of going out for three nights, Hey, let's go out for a week. And then some bigger, like slightly bigger offers started coming in and everybody's getting excited. And I just, 
I don't know. I just wasn't feeling, I wanted to make some money. I didn't want to be like a punk rock kid for, for a career. And so I actually left where we grew up, like started the band. I moved, I moved down to Birmingham where Furnace Fest is and tried to like actually get like a normal job, which quickly didn't work out. And so since we were all good friends anyway, that's why I just stayed on and helped, help crew with that because my idea didn't work. And also there was, I mean, I remember me and Dane had a little bit of tension back then and I just wanted to still, still be friends with everybody. And the easiest way to do that was actually not be in the band anymore. And it worked out, it worked out perfectly because we're all still friends. And, uh, Hunter was when he joined right after I quit, like we said earlier, he was already booking tons of bands and he just had all the connections and it just, it all just lined up with me quitting that the bigger tour started coming in. Yeah, that was that. And I was like, if you don't claim Edge, you're out of this fucking band. <laughs> meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, uh, fuck you, I'm going to have a drink anyway. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just as simple as that, and it worked out great. That's cool. And it, so, like, there wasn't any regret necessarily from when you stepped away, even though, like, your big lofty dream of getting a Birmingham job didn't work out. No, it was, it was, they, especially because, they started touring so much so fast that even when I was driving and, and helped doing merch and stuff, even that got to be too much. I was like, no, I can't even do that because instead of going out for, you know, a week, it was okay. Now we're going out for a month. And I was like, uh, you know, and I had, uh, uh, around oh, that time too, I just met Steph and I didn't want to go away from for that long. Um, yeah. So no, no regret at all. It was, um, and plus, you know, I didn't live too far away from Roger and Dane at the time. So I still saw them. Quite a bit. It was a month on, like towards the end of Love of Dread, it was a month on, a month off. Like we were gone a lot. Interesting. I can't believe you didn't want to like, you know, crew for like pennies a day and eating crackers and sleeping in your bed <laughs> for a month, it was, man. It was rough, man, because we didn't, I mean, when you're just starting out, you know, like Roger said, we had a little indie label behind us, but I mean, we were still, I mean, granted in 2002, a hundred bucks took us a lot farther than right, it does of now. Course. Yeah, granted. Yeah, but yeah. still, it wasn't like we had per diems or anything. We still had to bring all our own money. I mean, basically, the money was for fucking gas, and that yeah. was it. You know, we. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I mean, I was in my own band, and there were, and we weren't even signed or anywhere near your level. And it was just like, if we can get gas money tonight, that'd be tight. <laughs> That's. I mean. Funny enough, even when we were on Stillborn, I remember there was days that our per diem was maybe $10, maybe, that we got for the day to eat on. And uh, a lot of times it was just five bucks. And so before the tour starts, we would just get a big box of ramen, stuff it under the seats. You go to the gas station, get your your cup, throw the ramen in there, use the coffee water machine to to heat up your ramen noodles. And that's how you ate 90% of the time. Um, It was you know, terrible, but hilarious all at the same time. Cause that's basically like what our meals were. Yeah. <laughs> Tour life. That's a whole nother thing, especially around. So that great. Time. It's great. But around that time frame, it was just, it was so different. Cause you know, like kids, not kids, but like people, even right after that map quest and, and shit started kind of like coming into the, coming into play. And so you could kind of ah. like, you could kind of like Google where something, what not, you couldn't even Google. You'd have to like, map quest it so you'd have to like, yeah you used to do some other search uh, engine but we would we print shit out like of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. we look it up and print it out and i had a I actually had a folder in our merch thing <laughs> with directions to every place of on course you have the hardcore kid that was just like all right so you're gonna see this dirt mound you're gonna want to turn left at the dirt mound and then there's gonna be a guy in a poncho yeah 
Like, it was just such a different time because again, there was no, there wasn't any like TomTom Tom wasn't even around GPS, and of course your cell yeah. phone wasn't doing anything like that. But you would either like, like you said, like MapQuest it printed out beforehand and have like all these directions, or you'd have like a uh, <clears throat> one of those atlases. And then I was thinking about it the other day because like you would always play some like little VF hall somewhere or whatnot, and like how in the hell did you figure out where the VF the the hall was when you even pulled into town? Because like. The Atlas can only get you so far, and depending on which town you're going into, it might not have like a zoomed in, you know, layout of the of the roads. So you're like, you have to like pull into Kinkos or some other place and like start asking people. But it was such a weird time to fucking tour then. Yeah, we asked. Yeah, we would stop and ask people a lot. We have we played this one show in Florida where we actually rolled up to the venue. And it was right by the beach and we were all stoked. And like, we walked up to the venue. There's no one there. There's a fucking piece of paper taped to, to the door. It said, Hey, love is red. The venue's been moved. And it had like a weird little treasure map <laughs> to the new venue. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. All right. So I guess we're going somewhere else. Yeah, luckily you didn't you go. That show? I don't remember. Uh, that's, I, I remember that show. Cause that's the one where I was so hung over. Like as soon as we got him, I threw up outside. <laughs> that's something the rest of the band never had to deal with Rob. Mm-mm. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, those are, those are shitty times. I remember, uh, we were on tour and my, our drummer got hung over and I was, I wasn't against drinking, but he was just being a bummer on the entire day. So I got kind of like upset at him and, he tried to throw up the entire day, but uh, he never made it happen. And so it just fucking was a bump on a log. And I think we were playing with Horse the Band uh, in like oh, nice. Miami or something like that. But it was a fun little night outside of him being fucking hungover all day. But anyway, um, let's wrap this up. So what, what are you guys looking mostly forward to? Uh, would it be like coming back in full or is it just Furnace Fest in general? Or, you know, what's, what's the national thing? Yeah, so we've got Nashville shows, the pre-show, which there were two tours already happening, Terror and uh, Comeback Kid with Misery Signals, and and Drain and um, Dare were opening for Terror, and so we had, Jeff was buddies with Mad um, from Richmond, and he originally was like, hey, let's get Hollywood, they played our reunion show, let's get Mad and us and maybe one more band that we're just buddies with. And once again, I think it was Hunter that worked his magic. He knew how to chat with whoever from Terror and and um, Comeback Kid, and that we're like, hey, why don't we just throw these two tours that are coming that direction anyway together with our pre-show for the release of the the new EP? And they magically all said yes, and um, so then it became the Pre-Fest Fest, which then Furnace Fest was like, well, we might as well just make this an official pre-show that we are sponsoring. So then they turned it into a Furnace Fest pre-fest. So we're playing that. We're playing the fest, obviously. We've already gotten offers for, you know, shit like in different cities. But it's just like we all live in different states. So it doesn't really make much sense for us to do that. Um, Kyle is going to be playing drums on on the show. But the thing is, is like Kyle, he's he's all about his business. Like he's got a, a, a kickboxing gym and that's like most important to him. And so he's kind of like learning the songs, getting ready for these shows. And then that's pretty much it. Like my buddy, Bobby, that helped us with the darkness is waiting EP. He would love to like play, you know, so let's say we got offered something in another fest down the road. Um, More than likely, I'd probably just ask him or something to play because Kyle is just not going to have the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, we had talked marginally. I know Rob didn't, 
hear about this because this is mainly just like Hunter talking to me and Jeff, but we talked about there's a couple of fests in Europe that in 2022 are rolling back around. And um, I know some of the promoters there from just playing like with other bands over there. So I asked them and funny enough, most of the 2020 roster has not dropped off for 2022. Anybody that would have been playing last year is actually going to be playing these Eurofest in, mm-hmm. in 2022. So right now they're like, actually we're, we're full up, but um, I'm going to be going to London in October, like basically right after we're, we're playing. And I just jokingly asked one of my buddies that lives in London. I was like, set up a London show for us. And he's like, I might actually be able to do that. Give me a couple of weeks to figure shit out. They're coming back to shows too, like yeah. us, but they're handling a little different. He's like, but he's like, I think October maybe we'll be back. But so they're looking into it. And funny enough, I just happened to be going over there. I was like, I'll be over there. If we can do make it happen, just have a one-off show like that, like in London, because I'm going to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and like just play a quick show. So that may happen, but we are literally putting zero stress into it. Like if things don't happen, they don't happen. We knew the fest was going to happen. We knew we wanted to play a pre-show in Nashville as the hometown. Um, and then the CP was just kind of the magic of, of being bored and not having anything to do. So it just kind of all you know, converged all, all together. So future plans for love is red kind of just shrug our shoulders. Don't really know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at meh. Meh. Yeah. Meh. Meh. But you know, we're, I think I would go crazy if I didn't have something to do musically. So that's why we started like this, this new hardcore band. So eventually we'll be posting shit for whenever we get music, recorded and done for that what's, what's the name of this band again so we can well in in case hopefully they don't sue us but uh there's we we came up with the idea of witness marks but there's some weird fucking uh like folk rock uh banjo you know hippie mm-hmm. band from the east coast that always listens to lamb goats you know podcast fan flips so they're gonna hear this probably uh, unless they do like how that american nightmare like you know, got sued by the other American nightmare. Right. We're going to try to stick with that name witness marks, but uh, there is another band called that. Yeah. Don't um, be no punk bitch witness marks. And we'll have to end this in the streets. If you want to be, you know, right. mouthy. but they're called the witness marks. Boom, there it is. Teeth. There it is. It's all good. We don't have to put the, the in the new band. And if they want to get mouthy, you know, we can, <laughs> we can get hardcore can with them. This ain't no folk stuff out here. You know what I mean? Right. All right, guys. Well, Roger, Rob, I appreciate your time. I look forward to seeing you guys in Birmingham. Uh, we will be there as well, so that'll be tight. And, um, yeah, thanks for, you know, I guess giving your fan base a little something to look forward to, but not a lot to look forward to since there's nothing really going on in the future. But, you know, you had the other band coming on, uh, your other band getting together, so that's good. To, that's good. And, um, yeah, a lot of the people that we talked about, you know, we had on the podcast. So if you want to go check out brendan's episode that's a good one that was uh that was a while ago we did that one in my house so that one's actually a really cool one counterparts one yeah he's actually a really funny guy too so it all yeah yeah it all worked out but anyway um yeah and get to writing music so you can do your you know song with him that'd be good or maybe just like a split maybe that's something you guys could do i don't know that's something we could do too yeah i mean honestly i was surprised that i wrote a new ep so the fuck knows what we'll do (laughs) um but yeah yeah Happy to happy to do this. This was fun. Yeah, just don't get in a van flip situation on the way to the uh, furnace fest or the pre-show. You know what I mean? 
Or in the comment section, maybe they want us to. Who knows? Well, you know, so. they definitely, and I kudos to you for even bringing that up because when we were talking about names for the podcast, I was like, Alex, there's only one fucking name. I was like, there's, there's only one fucking name. And he was like, I don't necessarily know. And I was like, the reason why it would upset people or offend people is the reason why we should have it as the name because that's like synonymous with the site. <laughs> I fucking loved it. In fact, I went back to read like old comments from some of the like early 2000s posts and I was just like, so brutal. Yes, I love it. It was like hilarious, like how fucking mean people are. It's, it's just great. a different part. It's a different part of the internet and um, the, the comment section. And we did take them off, the anonymous comments, but... Uh, actually, I just got my new login for the new version of Lamb Goat today. So oh. by the time this comes out, it will already, I'm assuming the, the new layout will already be out because this will come out August sometime. Um, but anyway, okay. yeah, so uh, I got the new login. I got to start sprucing up the podcast area and all this other shit. But um, yeah, the comments will be coming back and they're going to be moderated a little bit better, I believe, is the plan. Let them go wild on us. Yeah. Like, but see, that's the thing, like, what, what I try to explain to people, like, the comments in the, like, because I feel like Lambgoat is the band's, like, news outlet, right? Like, yeah. like you guys went to Lambgoat, and, like, a lot of other bands grew up going to Lambgoat, and so they're, like, the band's news spot, but, like, Loudwire and the other major outlets are all, you know, for the casual fan, but they also cover different genres than, you know, we do. But uh, we're trying to stick with it as much as we can to the traditional lamb goat. So it does look just like a mobile version of the website 20 years later. That's all. And then, uh, yeah, we, you know, we got some things in the works. It's going to be a good fun time. So, yeah. But anyway, brothers, again, I appreciate it. And we'll see you in uh, Birmingham. All right, man. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.